Uh, good morning, everyone. Can we get the lights, please? Uh, good morning. My name is Paul, one of the pastors uh, at this church. I have the privilege of bringing to you God's word today. Um, as we wrapped up our sermon series on the book of Joel last week, we are starting a new sermon series uh, from now until the end of August, pretty much all of summer, called Psalms for the summer, as we do every year at this church. And, you know, with all the political divisions the mass shootings, the economic recession, and still living through this pandemic. But as Elder Thomas prayed, especially as our church right now is in the season of grieving and mourning of our uh, fathers and mothers and taking care of our sick loved ones, I wanted to kick off this series on the book of Psalms with Psalm 13, which is a raw and honest uh, psalm full of emotions that you and I might go through today. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, open up to the book of Psalm chapter 13, and as an act of worship, let us all stand and read God's word together, and let me read this for us, uh, his most perfect and precious uh, word for us here. Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long? Shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You may be seated. Well, May 14th of this year, 10 innocent people were slaughtered by a gunman at a convenience store or a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. 10 days later, May 24th, 19 children and two adults killed in a shooting in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Even just two weeks ago, with a senseless shooting in Chicago at the 4th of July parade that left so many dead and injured. And if you just watch the TV conference or the press conference and the interviews, you could just see the raw emotions of pain of the parents and family and friends of the victims with tears of anger, tears of loss, tears of hopelessness. But deeper than simply sadness, you could sense in their faces when you look at them that the tears of pain that screams that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. You see, church, from the moment that we were born and we enter into the brokenness of this world, we enter with a loud cry as an infant because simply to cry is to be a human. And as Apostle Paul says in Romans 8:22, we groan and we cry with all of creation, living in a world permeated with brokenness and sin, knowing in our hearts that this isn't supposed to be like this. You see, whether it's from a death of a loved one or from a horrific mass shooting or from long suffering of depression and loneliness, or perhaps just even exhaustion and burnouts of just living on this side of glory, you and I continue to cry even now, don't we? And this emotion of sorrow and sadness is all throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms, as Calvin called the book of Psalms, the anatomy of our souls, because there's not an emotion that a human feels that is not represented in the book of Psalms, whether it be emotion of grief or sorrow or fear or doubt or even hope and joy and peace. You see, all of human emotions are encapsulated and touched upon by the book of Psalms. 
And interestingly enough, though, almost a third of the Psalms touch upon the emotion of grief and sorrow, and these are also called Psalms of Lament. And the Psalm that we just read in Psalm 13 is a Psalm of Lament, and this morning I want to focus on that language of prayer of lament. You know, one pastor by the name of Mark Rogop said, if to cry is human, to lament is Christian. Or if to cry is human, to lament is Christian, because lament is ultimately a language of the Bible that God gives to you and to me in times of our darkest days. So I want to take a closer look at this language and this prayer of lament uh, through this psalm today. Ultimately, how Christians like you and I are to lament in times of suffering in light of the hope of the gospel of our Savior. So two simple points. First, what is lament? And then secondly, how do we lament? Or so first, how do we, or what is the language of lament? And secondly, how do we practically pray out a psalm or a prayer of lament? So first, what is lament? You see, the Bible tells us here in the book of Psalms that the author of the psalm that we just read is King David, but it doesn't tell us any details to what situation David is in that prompted him to pray the psalm of lament. Or whether it was from a certain illness or he was running away from his enemies, whatever the case, what we do know in the scripture is that David here is desperate. And he's been hurting for a long time. And he feels as if God has abandoned him and has forgotten him. And I think it's actually helpful in God's wisdom that the Bible doesn't describe why David was praying this psalm, because the vagueness, the, the, the vagueness of David's situation allows you and me not to be limited to when you and I can pray, actually pray the psalm of lament. Right? Because if David was praying this psalm as he was running away from his enemies who wanted to take his life, you and I who may not share that same or similar experience might just simply skip over this psalm. But one thing that we do know from the psalm that we can relate to is that David feels as if God has hidden himself from him, as if God has forgotten him. So let me ask you, church, have you ever felt forgotten by someone else or even felt abandoned? Or have you ever played hide-and-seek growing up and ended up hiding for about an hour in the closet because your friends forgot that you were playing with them too? Have you ever been lined up with your peers at your middle school as a team captain's picked one person at a time for a basketball game at recess, and you are the last person, the 11th person, not even the 10th, but the 11th person, and you are the sub. Have you ever been in a situation when all of your friends were invited to a birthday party or a wedding except for you? You know, all of your situation, I'm not, it could be from personal experience, but it leaves you feeling not so good, not so included and happy. But on a more serious note, friends, have you ever felt forgotten not just by people, not your friends, but by God? Perhaps it was when you or your loved one had been diagnosed with cancer or some sort of illness. Perhaps it was when you went through a miscarriage of your child. Or perhaps it's right now with all kinds of emotions from fear and anxiety and frustration and grief from the experiences that you feel on this side of the broken world. And in these dark moments of suffering and deep pains, there are different ways that you and I can sometimes respond. And three brief ways that you can respond. First, we cry. Because remember, to cry is simply human. Whereas humans, both believers and unbelievers, at the face of pain and sadness, will cry. 
As Hosea 7.14 says, it is human to wail upon our beds. But this crying is crying without hope, without comfort. It's a crying without any sense of what is going on. It's simply a physiological, biological expression of our emotion and grief and sadness to cry. But second response we can have is to fall into self-pity. Right in the midst of life's struggles, when we feel like as if God has forgotten us, we may sometimes believe the whispers of Satan that tells us it's your fault. God doesn't want anything to do with you. He is so done with you. And we go from feeling sorry for ourselves to even deeper feelings of unworthiness to self-condemnation and self-despair. But the third response is the exact opposite, which is denial, right? In the midst of your sorrow and your brokenness and grief, we might either deny God completely that he can't possibly exist and give him the silent treatment, or we might be in denial and lie to ourselves that everything is going to be okay. Everything is fine. I just need to get over this little hiccup and disruption in my life. I can do this on my own. But friends, these three responses to cry, to be in denial, to be in self-despair, is not what the Bible teaches us this morning because the first will leave you hopeless in your tears. The second will lead you to self-despair and condemnation. And the last denial will lead you to utter helplessness and denial. But not only that, when our friends and family or people in our community groups are struggling to find answers to their pain and suffering like David does in Psalm 13, what do we usually find ourselves doing? We either try to pull off any positive Christian thing to say to cheer them up like, God has a plan for you. Just believe. Just have faith. Or we might say things like, everything is going to work out in the end. You are a child of God. Just be patient. God knows what he's doing. Which is true. may not be the most helpful thing. And we're all guilty of saying things like that. And friends, what Psalm 13 teaches us today is the proper response as Christians in the middle of darkness, still living through this pandemic, even in a country so divided, in a society so broken and so violent, when you feel like even God has forgotten you and abandoned you. Psalm 13 teaches us that the proper response in our suffering and pain is lament. Again, Mark Brogo defines lament in this way. He says, lament is a heartfelt and honest talking to God through the struggles of life. Lament encourages us to talk to God about our struggles so that we can reaffirm our trust in him. In other words, lament is different than simply crying because it is a prayer that leads to trust. And we see in the short six verses of David's prayer of lament today that not only his sense of despair and pain, but we actually see the language of lament that ultimately ends up in verse 5 and 6, trusting in the grace of God. So again, if to cry is human and to lament is Christian, and if to lament is to pray our pains and end up in trusting in our God, how does Psalm 13 actually tell us to pray a psalm of lament? leads us to our next point, how to lament. In our psalm, we see that lament has three key elements, not necessarily in a logical or temporal order, because our pains are subjective and they can change, um, varied on our circumstances. But we see in Psalm 13, 
three key and main elements that we can learn from our passage. First, in your lament, you cry. Second, in your lament, you can ask. And last, in your lament, you trust. But you ask, or you cry out your frustrations and pains to God. And then you ask boldly for help. And you end up entrusting in the steadfast love of our God. Let me briefly go over these three key elements with the first element, crying out to God. Read with me verses 1 and 2. David says this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You see, here in the opening verses of our psalm, we see a repetition of how long, how long, how long, O oh Lord, which creates this intensifying scene for us as a reader. We see in the first line that David feels as if God has left him and has forgotten him. In the next line, we see that the more and more David thinks of all the possible reasons why this could ever happen to him, what in the world is going on in his life, there is this ongoing, long sorrow and grief in his heart. But most importantly, we see that David is crying out to God. Is David complaining? Absolutely. Is David frustrated with God and even perhaps annoyed and impatient with God? Absolutely. And there are ways that you and I can complain sinfully, but friends, what lament allows you and I to do is take our complaints to God and not against God. Our friends, lament allows God's people living in this broken and fallen world to bring all of our frustrations, all of our pains, all of our doubts and questions in real and raw and honest ways. You see, there's a world of a difference between believing that God actually doesn't care about you and feeling like God has left you. Because the first option will lead you to a life of bitterness and despair and denial, but the latter will lead you to do what David does here, cry your questions, cry your fears, cry your complaints honestly before the God of the universe who holds the world in his hands, who knows the number of hair on your head, and who knows exactly how you're feeling in the moments of your despair and sorrow and grief more perfectly than you and I can ever understand. And so when David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me, does he actually believe that God has forgotten him? Or when he says, how long will you hide your face from me, does he truly believe that God has turned his face away? Well, the end of the psalm tells us no, right? But simply by crying out, how long, O Lord, what David is doing here is that he is acknowledging God as God. Or by crying out to God, he is repositioning his posture in humility before the God who not only knows all things, who not only can do all things, but the God who actually cares for his people. You see, when you and I are in deep sorrow and pain, we become so blinded, so drowned out by our circumstances that often the last thing that you and I ever want to do is pray. And what God teaches us this morning through David's prayer is that laments allows you to not only admit your neediness, but to honestly acknowledge how you're feeling and take your complaints, 
your questions and your fears to God and not against God. But secondly, the second element, once we've honestly cried out to God our pains, our frustrations, our confusion, we must ask. Read verses 3 and 4 with me. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. You see, here David is asking desperately and earnestly to the point it almost sounds like David is commanding God, answer me, light up my eyes, God, which figuratively in Hebrew it can mean give me life. In other words, David is boldly asking for help. He knows that if God doesn't act, if God doesn't help, he's going to sleep the sleep of death. But here what we need to see is that David doesn't pray here for a cure for a disease. He doesn't pray for an army to defeat his enemies. He doesn't pray for his suffering and pain to stop or even to, for God to bring back the comforts. What David asks for is for God himself. I think that's all of us, that's something that all of us can learn here in this room. But Tim Keller in his book on suffering says that there is a choice that we have that is not really there when our life is just on cruise control. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Keller says that in our moments of lament, we have this golden opportunity to choose to love God simply because he is God. You know, in the darkest moment of our lives, just like David in our psalm, we can feel like we're getting absolutely nothing from God or nothing out of our relationship with God. But, if, but what if in our moments of lament and pain, you continue to pray to, cry out to, and ask for God? Because if you do that, Keller says you are finally learning to love God for himself and not for his benefits. You know, in our cry of, cries of laments, we have this ripe, golden opportunity, as hard as it may sound and as it may be, for you to ask for God for himself and not for what he can give you or can take away for you. And then and only then can you have this sense of renewed strength, calmness, and unwavering peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of your cries of lament. But last but not least, after crying honestly to God, and then after asking boldly for God to be your help, we must trust. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Church, this is key here. Without this, there is no lament. As Tremper Longman wrote in his commentary, most laments end with confidence or praise, but this one finishes with both. Because remember, the simple definition of lament is prayer to God in the midst of your struggles that ultimately leads to trust. Right? Trusting God in your valleys, in your darkness, is the ultimate goal of lament. And here David ends his prayer of lament with confidence, but also with praise. He says, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
You see, the word but here is crucial. It's not because the Lord has taken away my pain, I will trust. It's not because God has finally come through, I'm going to trust. David is saying, I don't know what is going on, how much longer this is going to go on for, why this is happening to me. God, can you help me? Can you answer me? And in the midst of all the confusion and pain and frustration, David says, but despite of, regardless of, I have, not I will, I have trusted in the Lord. You see, nothing has changed for David here since verse 1 to verse 5. No circumstance has changed. But he says, but I have trusted in the Lord. Right? No miracle, no healing, no improvement or circumstance. Things might not get better, but my heart shall rejoice in his salvation. The dark clouds over my life of my depression and mental health might grow more and more each and every day, but I will Sing to the Lord. In our lament, we cry out our pains. We ask God to be our help. And we turn and trust in him. But perhaps the final question, the most important question is how? How do we trust him? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of our blindness, how can we go back to trusting God like David does here? Well, the most clear answer is, In a different psalm of lament, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the author of that psalm is also David, the same David here. But Jesus knew the psalm very well by heart. And he prayed the psalm of lament in his darkest moment, perhaps in the darkest moment of history. You see, just as David cried out, how long, O Lord, when he felt like God has abandoned him, Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? Because God has abandoned him. On the cross, Jesus not only felt like God was hiding his face from him, but he knew that his father turned his face away. As he faced the full measure of God's holy wrath on the cross, so that sinners like you and me, who deserve that wrath, who deserve God's silence, who deserve eternal death for our sins, can receive now the full measure of his grace, of his mercy, and of his love. So that even when you feel like God is forgetting you forever, even when you feel like God is hiding his face from you, you can know with certainty that he will never forsake you, that he will never leave you, and one look at the cross of Jesus will lead you to turn your cries, your frustrations, your confusion to trusting in the steadfast love of the God who gave gave up his only son for undeserving sinners like you and me. So friends, as we come to a close, your God is still God, both in the light and in the darkness. He is still God, both in the times of your health and in your sickness, both in your joy and in your mourning. And as Charles Spurgeon once said, When you cannot trace his hands, you can always trust his heart. And God's heart is for you. His full measure of grace is for you. And that grace and that mercy that God has for you is what David describes in verse 6. 
How does he trust? Because he has already dealt bountifully, graciously, mercifully with me. So dear church, if God has sent his only son to die, to deliver you from the very thing that you need the most help and deliverance from, which is your sin. If God has turned his face away from his own begotten son so that we can always approach him without shame, without guilt, when we lament our pains to him, you can know that he will come to your rescue, that he will answer your cries of lament, just maybe not the way that you expect him to at your convenience and timing, but in his perfect and sovereign plan and timing. And not only can you trust him in that sense, you can also find comfort and peace knowing that there is going to be a day, friends, when you and I will never ever have to recite Psalm 13 ever again or ever have to have one-third of the book of Psalms ever again, a day in new heaven and new earth when God himself will wipe away every last tears of your lament from your eyes with his loving and gentle hand, when there will be no more depression, no more diseases, no more injustice, no more war, no more violence, no more sin, not a single reason for you and I to ever lament. When all of the brokenness is going to be redeemed, restored, and renewed. But right now, for now, living on this side of glory, I want to exhort you, church, and encourage you today would you cry out to your Heavenly Father all of your hurts with no filter, all your emotions, all your grief, all your tears? And then would you ask him boldly to be your help? But most importantly, would you trust him, not in the circumstances, not in the what-ifs, but in his steadfast love that he has displayed once and for all on the cross? Because of Jesus, there is always hope for you, even in your darkest moments so that in times of your darkest hours we can say as one church as one family as one body but we have trusted in your steadfast love our hearts shall rejoice in your salvation and we will sing to the lord because he has dealt bountifully with us let's pray Our God, we praise you and we thank you for the grace that you have shown us of the language of lament through the book of Psalm. And Father, you know all of our hearts that is full of pain, anguish, longing, emptiness, loneliness perhaps even. And Lord, you give us this avenue to bring all of our hurts to you without shame, without barrier, without a wall to divide us. But Father, we ask that you would help us to cry out our pains, to ask for you to be our help, but also just to trust in the steadfast love that you have shown us in the person and the work of your son. And may our church be a church that can lament with one another together as a church. No matter the circumstance that you have brought upon us, Father, may we be able to sing, but we have trusted in your steadfast love and we can rejoice knowing in our salvation, knowing that Christ is the one who will lead us to see him face to face where you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So we thank you for that grace. We thank you for your son. And in his name we pray.